Welcome back to the SBS Sports Talk Show presented by the Sports Business Society at UVA. I'm Michael Rockless along with my co-host Nick O'Connor and our producer Will Harden. We have a full show tonight talking about the hot topics in pro sports and then a very, very interesting hypothetical question about basketball. Make sure you listen to this at 1.5 times speed. Hit it! All right, so uh, before we get into any of the professional sports stuff, let's go back to the well and talk about something that we've talked about about every show uh, this semester, those uh, those Wahoos. Another big win against Louisville this week, and of course, Saturday against Duke at Duke. The Hoos improved to 10-0 and in the ACC and have a stranglehold in the conference. Uh, what have been your thoughts on how the Hoos have been looking and projecting forward? Yeah, they just continue their dominance, and I think it's just really centered around their well-balanced played. You have really have everyone contributing um, from top to bottom. You have everyone playing defense. And when it goes into it, it's just a team effort. And I, and I think that's why they're going to have this sustainable future, and I think that's why they're going to continue their uh, success in ACC play. Yeah, well, let's go right to that Duke game. Um, probably the biggest win in Tony Bennett's time at UVA. That might be debatable. You think back to uh, that year where they were first coming up and captured that one seed, and they beat Syracuse at home. Syracuse Mm -hmm. was very good that year. I think you were actually at that game, Nick, weren't you? I was. You were, and I don't know if you remember what they were ranked um, at that time, but also they had won the ACC championship regular season and postseason that year and route to a number one seed. Um, But since I've been following or at least going to UVA, this has to be going into Cameron Indoor, top five matchup um, and UVA holding off Duke was just an extremely impressive win. And I would say that is, if not number one, it is way up there in terms of regular season wins in the Tony Bennett era. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, Just going on the road versus Duke. I think the, you know, maybe the one, uh, you know, devil's advocate to that is just this Duke team this year probably isn't as strong as in previous years. I mean, they have the talent. I just don't know about all around that. They're not deep. They're not deep. And and I, I think maybe that showed, but uh, and talking about impressive wins, this this is definitely in the top class, uh, you know, with of Tony Bennett's wins. Yeah, I would say this Duke team is excellent. Um, definitely a championship Final Four favorite from the get go. Um, I lost a couple games early, you know, a lot of freshman guys um, on that team, but the talent is just out of this world with those guys. I mean, we saw what Bagley and Carter could do um, against UVA, and you know, fortunately for the Hoos, they were able to hold it off. But I mean, this is this is a really really good Duke team, in my opinion. Um, We'll see how they do in the tournament, but I mean, it is hard to take anything away from the Hoos uh, going into Cameron. I mean, the way they played, got off to that great start, held Duke to 22 points in the first half. It's a team that scores 80 points basically every single game, Um, and then you have Duke storming back in the second half and getting up by, I think, as much as four or five, and then... uh, UVA being able to hold their ground and come back and win was just extremely impressive. Yeah, and Duke really kind of making that comeback, I think, was really around them switching to that 2-3 zone. Um, that kind of really shook UVA, um, for an instance. I mean, they, they I think they want to say Duke went on that 6-8-0 or run right after they switched to that 2-3 zone, and UVA couldn't really get anything going on. Um, I thought that kind of came around just 
basically Tony Bennett not being able to make the uh, appropriate changes. And that was the little worrisome for me is that he wasn't really making those in-game changes when he needed to, um, which was just a little worrisome for me. Yeah, I think he left Isaiah Wilkins in a little bit too long. He's obviously uh, been a little bit banged up and really had lost his confidence in that jump shot. I mean, they were not guarding him from elbow in and he had a couple looks and he just was not making uh, them. It was, it was three wide open yeah. shots. Like he, he just didn't even look confident right. shooting. And I think you it's just tough to have a guy like that in the game along with Jack Stalt, two just offensive you know limited players. I mean, it's just tough to have that in a, in, a, in a monumental game like that versus Duke. Right, so I would say it took Bennett a little bit uh, of time. I think we noticed it, like, get DeAndre Hunter in there. Yep. You know, he's your zone beater. Um, Going to be big when they play Syracuse this weekend. Again, DeAndre played really well against them the first time. Um, but brought him in, and then instantly that was, you know, what kind of turned it around. And then, you know, he went down with an injury, but they were able at that point to hold off Duke. Mm -hmm. Kyle Guy hit a big three late. Jerome obviously hit the dagger. Um, and then, you know, through some trials and tribulations, they were able to hit their free throws at the end and, and ultimately hold off Duke. All right, so Will, you got a little little uh, update for us here? Yeah, so in 2014, 12th-ranked Virginia Cavaliers beat the 4th-ranked Syracuse Orange 75-56 to to clinch the top seed in the ACC tournament. Okay, so Syracuse was four, and yeah. that was our first, UVA's first season of getting onto that national scene as an elite, you know, team were in the top 10 top five you know ultimately a one seed so that was a big one I remember that being a very hype game watching that from home obviously yeah and especially just the dominance of that game winning by 19 points I think was just really you know impressive yeah. and got them onto the national stage like you said yeah so obviously the uh, Duke game from Saturday was more of the talking point um obviously the Hoos took care of business in their week night game this week at home against Louisville they won I was just at the game. They won by 12, 14 points. Um, pretty comfortable most of the second half. Louisville kind of got it close late there. Uh, interesting to see Nigel Johnson now suspended a couple games. Um, so you have Marco Anthony, the freshman, coming in, and he played really well tonight. I don't know what your takeaways were from tonight's game. Pretty standard UVA victory. Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch the first half due to a discussion section. But you know, from what I saw in the second half, I mean, it was just, I and mean, they looked really comfortable. Um, you know, Louisville cut it close in, in some instances, but like you said, Mark Anthony stepped up and hit some big shots. Kyle Guy was playing well, Ty Jerome playing well. Um, again, it was m just multiple players across the floor that, you know, were stepping up. Yep, good who's win there. Um, and right now they're, they're looking at closing in on that number one ranking. They picked up an additional 16 first place votes after beating Duke. Villanova did have a scare against Marquette on Sunday. So now UVA is about 30 points behind Villanova for the number one spot in the AP poll. They have not reached that with Tony Bennett. Um, so something to keep an eye on if, if UVA can keep up their good play and, and Villanova uh, falls a little bit. All right, so now we're going to move into the NBA and the big news in the NBA was Blake Griffin got traded to the Detroit Pistons for Tobias Harris, uh, who's still under contract for, I guess, a longer period of time, Avery Bradley, who is an upcoming free agent, and then a first and second round pick. Nick, what were your thoughts on this big-time trade kind of out of nowhere? Yeah, I thought Clippers made out like bandits in this trade. Um, you know, I think that they didn't want to pay Blake Griffin this massive contract anyway, so they were just looking to get rid of him. Um, they're in this tank mode right now. They're going to get rid of DeAndre Jordan and Lou Will, I think, very soon. Um, you'll see that as the trade uh, deadline approaches. Um, so they're really just looking to reconstruct. 
Um, in terms of the Pistons, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's going to help their team that much. You know, they may get a 5-6 seed, you know, whatever it is, but they're not going to any championship. So it's just, I guess it makes them, you know, a little bit better, but it's definitely not making any uh, substantial increases in their team. Yeah, I, I agree with you from the Pistons standpoint, um, from the sense of if you're not going to be a championship team, um, the way the NBA, they're changing the lottery rules, but basically you should be bottoming out. You shouldn't be trading young assets like a first-round pick or Tobias Harris for a guy that has a $173 million contract that he just signed. Um, So that's a little bit questionable. I think the Clippers, I would not characterize that trade as them making out like bandits. Um, I don't... I think that for getting Blake Griffin's contract off the books and for what they want to do, which is obviously trade DeAndre Jordan and probably Lou Williams now, they did a good job of at least getting a first-round pick and Tobias Harris, who's a young, um, quality NBA player, um, getting that in return for Blake Griffin. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily going to tank because Tobias Harris is at least a piece, and I don't know what they'll yeah. do with Jordan and Lou and Williams. And they are in playoff contention and still. They, yeah, they're, they're right on the fringes there. Um but I mean, an interesting trade. I I do think I would say that both teams made away pretty pretty well with this with this trade for what they're trying to accomplish. But what's questionable to me, and I think we both agree on this, is what are the Pistons trying to accomplish? And it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like they're anywhere near title aspirations. I mean, add a little bit of flash to your team, but at what cost? I mean, you're kind of prohibiting yourself from being a long term contender because you know just this is not a team that has a chance to win anything of significance in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it really comes down to what is your mindset as a team. You know, are you just looking to get the playoffs? Are you looking just to get some more wins? You know, to increase maybe the fan base a little bit. Or, you know, some teams just have it, you know, we're either going to try to go for the championship or we're going to tank. And some teams just have the philosophy, oh, we just want to make the playoffs. And it seems like the, you know, Pistons just have that philosophy that they just want to make the playoffs, be a, you know, a good team, obviously not a super team. Um, But I think that, you know, they don't really have the mindset like, you know, perhaps these other teams that are completely tanking or completely going for a championship. Yeah, Will, you can come in real quick here, but I think the Pistons are a good, like, four and a half games out of the East uh, for the playoffs right now. Um... I mean, could they feasibly make it? Sure, but I mean, right again, like, are you going to win a playoff series, you know, on the road against a Cleveland, Boston, Toronto? Like, well, no. Which is really interesting, though, is they started off, I mean, there were two or three seed in the East. They played really, really well in the beginning of the season, and then from there, um, you know, they really just have, you know, not been doing well. Yeah, so the Pistons are in the ninth position. They're 23 and 26. The 76ers are in the eighth position, and they're 24 and 23. So it looks like they're a game and a half out of the playoffs. Um, so, you know, may, I, I would assume Blake Griffin catapults them to get in. I mean, maybe there's an adjustment period there. Um, so we'll see with them. Kind of a, just an interesting trade. Yeah. I mean, and I, I still think now DeMarcus Cousins, um, unfortunately, is injured. So that won't be a big deadline trade if that was going to happen anyways. Now it won't. Um, but Jordan, DeAndre Jordan, um, and Lou Williams on the Clippers seem like relatively likely players to get moved. Tyreek Evans, kind of a minor piece to move, but like could go to a decent playoff team yeah. like Celtics, Sixers, or teams thrown out there. Yeah, I think you, what you mentioned is the Celtics. I think they're going to be a, a key team to look at around this trade deadline in the sense that, you know, you know they obviously they are looking for the future. They have a very young team. Um, or, you know, are they really going to try and go for the win now? I mean, they obviously they look really comfortable. I mean, they're the one seed. Um, they're looking really good this year. You know, are they going to try to add that piece and try to go for a championship this year, or are they going to hold off and try to play for the future? I think that's the question for the Celtics. Yeah, we'll see what they do. I know they're a team with speculation of at least waiting till the offseason and then going after Anthony Davis, which would be a big-time move. Um, I don't know about the deadline for them. Maybe something minor, maybe something major. I don't know what majors 
there to be had. I don't see the Pelicans moving Davis now. Um, so that'll do it for our NBA talk. We're going to move into the NFL. And before we talk about the Super Bowl, which is Sunday, let's talk about the other trade that made big headlines uh, this week. And that was Alex Smith traded by the Kansas City Chiefs to the Washington Redskins for a third round pick in cornerback Kendall Fuller. Pretty shocking. A lot of implications league wide. Um, from the Redskins perspective, well, let me say first, from the Chiefs' perspective, it's obvious, get a return. They're rolling with Patrick Mahomes moving forward. A lot more interesting when it comes to the Redskins and breaking it down. What were your thoughts on the value they got for Smith? Of course, they immediately extended him for you know high-level quarterback money, $94 million over four years. Um, so what were your thoughts on what they did? And then we can talk about the implications of Kirk Cousins, who will now be on a different team uh, for the 2018 season. Yeah, I think the Redskins made a very smart move. I think that they knew Kirk Cousins, you know, I, I think there's obviously some chemistry issues. I think it was either a function of that Kirk Cousins simply just did not want to pay for the Redskins. The Redskins did not want to pay Kirk Cousins. Something which just was not connecting there. And Kirk Cousins was not going to be a part of the Redskins for next season. I think they knew that. Otherwise, they would not have made that trade um so in terms of the Redskins I I think it was a good trade you're getting a very very solid QB with Alex Smith um obviously nothing elite but I think you know very formidable and definitely will can win you some games next year um and I think it's just it's a function now of you know where is Kirk Cousins gonna go yeah I want to before we talk about Kirk I do want to talk about the Redskins a little bit more because they are not a team where you say like if you were to say Jacksonville or Denver, where it's like, okay, if we add an Alex Smith caliber quarterback, which like, don't get me wrong, Alex Smith is an above average, like solid, like you said, solid NFL quarterback. The Redskins are not a team like Jacksonville or Denver, where you say, add this above average quarterback and they can be a Super Bowl contender. Redskins just simply aren't there. And the thing about Alex Smith is he, he's been in the league for, you know, like 12, 13 years now, his ceiling is known. I mean, he is not going to carry any Redskins-esque team. So the upside they get seems pretty limited for this, you know, four-year stretch that they have him. And I don't know what they're going to do about drafting a quarterback. You would assume they're not going to do it this year because they just extended Smith. So I don't know what their timeline is to compete. I think Smith makes you formidable for the next, you know, for however long you have him. You're not going to be a bad team, but you're probably not going to be getting, you know, first-round buys in the playoffs either. So I think it's kind of an interesting move. And then, of course, on top of that, you're trading you know, a pretty solid starting defensive player would be a defense starting player, Kendall Fuller and the draft pick. So interesting there. I don't know if you have a rebuttal on, you know, you saying it was a smart move for them. Yeah, I think more it's, you know, how do you value Alex Smith versus Kirk Cousins? And I'm asking you this question, you know, do you think they're comparable? Do you think Kirk Cousins is definitely better? You know, what what is the, the value between the two? I, I think it's kind of an interesting debate because I think on the one hand, I would take on a team that has really good pieces around it. I think I know more of what I'm getting with Alex Smith. A little bit more conservative, doesn't throw as many interceptions. Um, and, and both of them are very solid, above-average quarterbacks. Uh, but with Kirk Cousins, I think maybe there's at least the potential that there's a little bit higher of a ceiling there that's untapped. I mean, when you saw what he did with Sean McVay um, last season, you know, before McVay left to be the coach of the Rams. And, you know, obviously McVay's a great coach, and they had Deshaun Jackson, and they had Pierre Garçon. Um, and Jordan Reed healthy, but like Kirk Cousins was really excellent that season. So I think the upside with Kirk Cousins is a little bit better. And for a team like the Redskins, you might want to prefer that upside. But for a team like, you know, the Jags or the Broncos, like maybe Smith is better, but 
So to me, I, I think it also comes down to they were not willing to go into the Kirk Cousins free agent sweepstakes and pay him what's going to be more than what Alex Smith got in the extension. Yeah, I think I think that you know I, I agree with you know what most of you said. I, th- I think it's kind of going into the next couple seasons. You know what are they really looking to do? You know they're not a Super Bowl contending team. They don't have the defense. They don't. They're, they're they don't behind have, the Eagles. They're like, behind clearly, the Eagles. They don't clearly. have the defense. I think it was a little bit of it's a step down. Whether you know what you think of Alex Smith or you know Kirk Cousins, it was definitely a step down from Kirk Cousins. I think what you're getting with Alex Smith. So it's, you know, what are you really looking at in the future with the Redskins? You know, what are they really trying to do? Are they just trying to win a couple of games every season? You know, what, what is their future mindset? Um, and I think with Alex Smith, again, that's capped. Um, but again, I think what he is providing is some consistency. I think now what you can do is in the draft, you know, try to start to build around him. Obviously, he, you know, he's pretty old, so you're not looking for the long-term future, but you're maybe trying to look in, in terms of building up that defense, building up some pieces around him, and then in the future, potentially getting a QB out of the draft. Yeah. Okay, so quickly, um, where do you think Kirk Cousins lands? I, Jacksonville, they said they're bringing Bortles back. Um, so to me, it's kind of narrowed down to the Jets, the Browns, and the Broncos seem like the three, maybe Arizona too, throw them in there as the four teams um, that have are going to have the most interest in him. Interestingly enough, the 49ers, you know, Mike, uh, Kyle Shanahan, they closed that window with him when they got Garoppolo. The Jaguars are sticking with Bortles. Um, so where do you see Kirk Cousins landing? What do you think would be the most interesting spot? Yeah, my initial thought when I heard this trade was definitely the Broncos, just in terms of I think he can have the most substantial impact to that team. I think if he was going to go to that team that they would instantly become Super Bowl contenders. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. Um, again, you know, like you said, they're bringing Bortles back with the Jags. Um, it just depends, you know, what other organizations, you know, are really attractable for Kirk Cousins. And I don't know how much of a say he has with that, or is it just more of a function of who pays the most? Yeah, I don't know what he's going to go for. I think at this point in his career, he's made a lot of money off those franchise tags with the Redskins that he can be uh, relatively conservative with, you know, on the money side and take the uh, the system and the fit that works best for him. Um, I think the Broncos could be Super Bowl contenders. The defense is kind of old, but still excellent. Great player in Von Miller. I think the most interesting option, though, for him is the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. So if he goes to the Browns, they have all the cap space in the world. They blow out, they sign, you know, they, they go out all out, they sign him. You have the number one and number four picks in the draft. You can add a Saquon Barkley, who's going to be an elite playmaker at the NFL level. You can add another playmaker, whether it be on offense or defense. And all of a sudden, you have stability at the quarterback position, Kirk Cousins. You have playmakers, you know, Saquon Barkley, um, Josh Gordon, Gordon, maybe Josh Gordon, uh, Corey (laughs) Coleman. And then you have some defensive players like Miles Garrett. Think if they were to draft a Minka Fitzpatrick in the secondary uh, safety out of Alabama. I think the Browns could be a very, very very interesting landing spot for him now comes down to do they want to draft that quarterback at number one someone that they're like this is going to be our guy or do they want to say okay let's try and bring in Kirk Cousins and then use our draft capital to now build around him for the next 10 years which is an option that they're going to have yeah I think there's a lot of interesting options you know surrounding the Browns about what they want to do you know do they look at these QBs and think, hey, these are guys, these guys are going to be our future? Or are they thinking that, you know, maybe we're not as high on these QBs and we're going to go ahead and go with Kirk Cousins? I think that's just what's it going to come down to. But like you said, I mean, Browns have a really lot of young, you know, good pieces. Some, and some good pieces, some. Not, not a lot. But, you know, especially with this draft, they could definitely build around that. Um, so that's definitely an interesting team. So you do think it's really coming down to the Browns and Broncos? I think the Jets will be in there. I think yeah. that would be least 
exciting. I think the Cardinals would be another team in there that's not super exciting, but those are probably the four that are going to have the most interest, um, assuming the the Jaguars are 100% in on Blake Bortles for next year. All right, so let's move forward and talk about the big game on Sunday, the Super Bowl. Obviously, it is the Philadelphia Eagles against the New England Patriots in Minneapolis in that new stadium. Um, I mean, we can just break down this game. Uh, what do you think? Who who do you who do you like? What what are some of the things you're going to be watching, uh, looking at? Yeah, to be honest, I really don't have a preference who wins. That's in mean. my mind. That's mean. Why, that's, would, you, that's why not... would you root for the Patriots? Will, who do you want to win? <laughs> I want the Eagles to win. Yeah, oh, that's man. right. Yeah, good job, Will. Thank you. That's why you're here. Well, I'm still, you know, I, to be honest, I am still a little angry that you know, the Vikings, you know, put up no fight for the Eagles. So that's I'm, I'm still have some, I guess, hatred towards the Eagles in that sense. They that just did their job. They did do their job, and then. Again, I don't really like the Patriots, so I'm not really a fan of either team. I can... But you're sitting here, your podcast co-host, your friend of like eight years, is like this diehard Eagles fan and has been robbed of the ultimate, penultimate joy yeah, for but, all this time, and you can't yeah. say, I, just, just, come on, for but you, Mike. The thing is, I like that, because to be honest, I think everyone knows it, you know, Philadelphia Eagles fans are probably the most annoying. I think everyone can kind of come to a consensus most, on that. Most so, passionate. That's another way to put it. So I, I think it's kind of, you know, do you want that, you know, in a Super Bowl drought to continue for the Eagles, or do you want to see Tom Brady, you know, win another championship? Um, I really wouldn't mind either, wow. uh, to be honest. Uh, so... Here's my thing, Will. You can tell me if, or either of you can tell me if you agree or disagree. I think the Eagles win the Super Bowl, the, or any Super Bowl in the future. After that first one, their level of like annoyance is going to go way down. No, I think it's going to increase. You think it's going to Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think it's going to increase. I think the Eagles fans are going to get even more arrogant. You know what I mean? Oh, we're the well, franchise of the future. Well, we you have know, Carson gonna, Wentz. Yeah, like, you know, that's what I'm saying. So we're we're going to win a Super The Eagles are going to win a Super Bowl without Carson Wentz, with Nick Foles. And then all of a sudden, they have the entire starting team back for the next two years, and they get the MVP back. So, pretty good. But I, I would say, for starters, I. I think that you might see a drop in the level of like Eagles crazed fan if they were to win one, just one. That's all they're asking. Yeah, for. no, that's, that's fair. All, that's all they no, want. No, kind of what I'm looking out for this game. You know, for this game is just a really good game. Um, you know, on both sides, I want it to be exciting. I want to come down to the end. You know, like you, what you want for every Super Bowl. And I think with these two teams, that's what you're going to get. To be honest, I think they're very comparable in terms of skill level all around. Um, I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, it'll be interesting. I think what it might come down to is that coaching. You know, who's going to come out with maybe some trick play. You know who's gonna come out on top on that on that coaching level? I like Doug P in that matchup. If we're if we're being honest, I like Doug P. What, what do you have to say, Will? I mean, I don't think you're really gonna out coach uh, Bill Belichick, but that's what you think. I'm I'm really pulling for the Eagles. I hope it's a good game. Just cause I don't want to watch a boring game. Um, but I'd never root for, root for the Patriots, so I'd take any team in this Super Bowl that isn't the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I obviously have a lot to say. I followed the Eagles very closely the last several years, and um, I mean, I think that they have a really good chance to win this game. Uh, I think there's a very particular formula that's going to work well for them. It's going to be control the ball on the ground, which you can run the ball against the Patriots defense and the Eagles have the offensive line and running game to do so. Make sure Nick Foles is keeping the ball safe, um, keeping the Patriots off the field. Get ahead early, allow that pass rush to pin their ears back and get off the field, stay off the field and kind of play from ahead, play with a lead and, and just kind of ride that out the whole game. And I think Honestly, I think there's a there's a decent chance that the Eagles are able to do that. So putting aside bias, you know, 
who do you think, as an all-around team, has the best chance to win this game? So I'm not picking the game, so I, I kind of want to defer from from answering that question directly. Um, and the reason I'm I'm don't I'm not picking the game is because I picked the Super Bowl incorrectly. I think I went back. I, I don't think I can remember a Super Bowl that I picked correctly. <laughs> so I like literally every every game, the team that I've wanted to win, which is basically the team that I've picked, has not won. Um, so I, I mean, obviously the Patriots are the favorites in the game. Um, but what I will say is there, it's very easy for me to see a way for the Eagles to win this game and come out and make it a very, uh, close game and, and in some ways possibly dominate the game in certain aspects, the run game, um, getting that defense off the field. So we'll see what we get on Sunday. Um, but I think objectively I would give the Eagles a very good shot. Well, yeah. yeah, I just think if Nick Foles plays like he did last game, I think it's going to be all Eagles. Yeah, no, that's very fair. Do you think perhaps that Eagles can just play in their element and win this game? Or do you think perhaps that they have to do something different, something like, you know, the Saints onside kick after the halftime, something like that to create a momentum swing, to create something different that Bel- Bill Belichick perhaps isn't expecting? No, I think the Eagles can play their game and win. Um, but it does come down to Nick Foles not. He can't be incompetent, which I have the full expectation that he will be very fine, if not good, uh, this week. Um, I, I think their formula is going to be keep the ball on the ground, keep the ball away from the Patriots, stay aggressive, do what they've done all season, um, which is go for it on fourth down if the opportunity's there, um, and just keep your foot on the gas. If you get ahead, that's not the time to, to start trying to play the clock um, you know, and, and stop your offense. I think just keep the foot on the gas, keep the ball away from Brady, keep the defensive line fresh, and if they're able to do that, they'll be able to – stave off whatever comeback the Patriots would have in the fourth quarter. And now if they get behind and Nick Foles is going to need to convert these third and longs and obvious passing downs, they're going to be in big trouble. Uh, but I think the formula for them is just, you know, do play their game, play their style, and um, they'll be in this game. Yeah, speaking of Nick Foles, this is probably the perfect situation for him because you really, as a backup QB, you have no expectations going in. If you lose, hey, you're backup QB. If you win the Super Bowl, you're a hero. Right. So I think, you know, if you're Nick Foles, I mean, this is probably the perfect situation for you if you're playing in a Super Bowl. That and you have the coaching staff and weapons around you that allows you to play well, at least to this point. So, so yeah, I I mean, and I think Nick Foles is a very, um, like, even-keeled guy, calm guy. The moment's not going to be too big for him. Um, So, yeah, so I I expect him to play well. I expect the Eagles to play well, and I think this will be a good game. So before we move on into our hypothetical question, I said I'm not picking the game. That does not prohibit either of you from picking the game. So if you guys want to just go out, your score – Winning team score and uh, and well we can evaluate it next week. Sure, you know what I'm gonna go down with my gut. I think it's gonna be Patriots. I'm gonna pick them at 35 to 32. That's, that's a lot my, of points. That's a lot of points. That I think it's gonna be a shootout. That's, that's, okay. that's, yeah, that's, that's my thing. Yeah, I just think the Patriots as well. I mean, I just don't think you can bet against Tom Brady right now. Um, but I'm thinking probably 27, 24, somewhere in that range. Okay. They, the last time they played in the Super Bowl 2004 season, it was 24-21, so pretty close to your score, Will. You guys both have it as a field goal game, so interesting. We'll, we'll see how that falls uh, come Sunday, the biggest game of the NFL season, game number 267. So I'm excited that, uh, that the Eagles are in that one, and I will be sad that the NFL season is over. All right, now we're going to move into our hypothetical question for this week. And it's going to take a minute to kind of tease this out and explain it, but it's basically a different way to end a basketball game. So the premise is, and the question is going to be, do you like this or not? So, But the premise is, 
you would play a normal basketball game, like a 40-minute game, but instead of the game ending when the clock hits zero, you would take the team that's in the lead, you would add six points to that total, and that just sets a hypothetical bar. So if it's 62 to 58, you would say once the clock hits zero, we're adding six points to 62, and we play first team to 68 wins. So now it's 62 to 58, first team to get to 68 points wins the game. So there are a lot of things about this that I think make the end of basketball games way more improved. Um, Nick, what are your thoughts? And if I didn't explain that clearly, uh, you know, I can clarify. Yeah, we can just hear this out a little more. So let me ask you, what are the benefits to doing this? How would this benefit the game? So so I like it a lot because it eliminates the, the fouling at end of games, the intentional fouling. You would never, ever intentionally foul in the system because you'd just be giving away free points. It basically makes a basketball game much, much more like a baseball game at the end in the sense that you're, there's no clock that you're playing against. You have outs or you have points that you're defending against. So if you were down you know, by four points and then they added six, all you would need to do is go on a run of you know, 10 to three run and you would win the game. So you can never get blood out by the clock. You, can never, you would never intentionally foul, which is one of the worst parts about basketball games. These last two minutes will take up to 10 minutes with all the timeouts and fouling. That would go away. And you would get a walk-off make every single game. So every single game would end on a make, on a made shot. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, the point you said about, I think the most disappointing, not most disappointing, but, you know, one of the worst things about basketball is that last, you know, minute, two minutes, whatever it is, when a team's down eight or 10, when they don't really have a shot, but they might have a shot and they start to foul and just creates a longer game. So I think this solution uh, would definitely solve that. Um, what are like any flaws to this? So the only, the only flaw would be, you would I, the only flaw I can see is there's no buzzer beaters. So you would basically do away with buzzer beaters, um, you know, because there's no clock element at these end of these games anymore. But like I said, every game is ending on a walk off. So let's say you were tied, or you know, so let's just you know go back to that original example of it's sixty two to fifty eight. The clock hits zero because you're just playing a normal basketball game up until that point. And now both teams are playing first to 68, and you have 62-58. If you both had both teams at um, you know, 66 points, it'd be next basket wins. And then you have a, basically a buzzer beater walk-off-esque shot anyways to, to win the game. Yeah, I think what that would do is definitely increase the, the hype, increase the tension at the very end of the game. Um, I think some maybe adverse effects, you know, if we're going into the NBA, you know, what we see is that, you know, big men usually get pulled out at the very end of the games because, um, you know, they don't want to get fouled and obviously they're very poor, you know, free throw shooters. So how would that affect, you know, big men getting taken out at the end of the game? I don't know if it would. I think you would basically roll with your best five guys at the end because you're really ultimately just trying to get to a certain point total and that's basically just playing your best basketball. I mean, there's not... The comeback element isn't against time, so basically hitting three threes within 30 seconds, it's nine, or we'll call it two threes in 30 seconds, is the same as getting six points in a minute, you know, because there's no time element, you know, three twos in a minute uh, with no, you know, there's no rush to getting these points. So I, I think you would roll with whoever your best five guys are. Maybe teams would hack a hack a shack someone and send bigs to the line, but you, you get to the these points in this game where points are so critical if the winning team only needs six more to win a game uh the team that's in the lead only needs the six more points 
then, you know, you're not going to hack someone and give them a chance at free two points or, you know, a one point, even if it's a bad free throw shooter. Yeah, I think that would definitely create an interesting dynamic. And obviously another, you know, impact is that there'd be no overtime, right? Right. No no overtime, overtime, no double OT, none of that excitement. Again, I, I like this in the sense that, you know, you, it really takes away from that fouling at the end of, you know, basketball games, which I, I think as a, every basketball fan doesn't really like. It just extends the game for no reason, um, you know, perhaps for no reason because there are teams that come back and, and, and can succeed in that matter. But I think this would just create basically another element to a game, basically what you're having in overtime, right, with these extra six points that you're yeah. trying to go to. That's where you had, you know, all the tension, all the hype. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, and the other thing you can do is if you were down by, you know, call it, just say you were down by 10 points and, you know, if you're down by 10 points at the end of a basketball game, there's like physically no chance that you're ever going to come back unless you just get a miracle turnover, hit a bunch of threes. But in this scenario, all you would need to do is just, you just go on a run. Like you can, you will never get blood out by the clock. And it's basically like you to win a game, you can't just sit on a lead for the entire second half. You would, you would basically like, you, you would have to score to win the game. So, and if you're losing, then you can't say, well, we've run out of time. We can't do it. It's like, okay, if we get our stops and we score, we can get right back in this game in the blink of an eye and basically play it out until, you know, they, they score more than, you know, they score to a point where we can't stop them or they get to that threshold. Yeah. Let me ask Will, what do you think about this? I mean, I think it, add, it would add an interesting aspect um, and take the fouls out of the, out of the end of the game, which I think would it change the way the game was played significantly. Um, but I think doing away with the overtime, and I think that's a little bit too much. Yeah, and I think also another thing is that, you know, let's say a team is up by 25 points, and then we have this, you know, system, and then you add six points. It's like, is it even fun playing for that last six points? You know, is it team... But, it, but is the last two minutes of a team up by 25 fun anyway? But at least it's you just... know it's going to end at this point. You know what I mean? Like, what, are you just going to give up six points? At least with the time thing, you just let the time run out instead of, like, letting the other team just physically score. Well, maybe you could add a mercy rule. <laughs> or add a mercy rule. That's another thing, exactly. But, I, yeah, I think it definitely just increase. you know... You know, basically create some, you know, just interesting strategies, I guess, if you're a coach and if you're a team at the end of the games, you know, you know, basically, you know, you don't foul, you know, do you foul, um, you know, things like that. It definitely just creates a different yeah. dynamic. Yeah, well, we can talk about, too, um, what are some of the ways that you would change how you would play? I, I'm trying to think of what about the game changes. I, I don't think there's any reason why you would play the first part of the game any differently. So whatever a lot of time you had, say it's 40 minutes, and then you take the you know the team that's ahead, add six to that total, and then you play to that overall number. Um, would that? I don't think it would change the first 40 minutes because you would at that point, if anything, you're you're all you're trying to do is either cut into that lead, get as close as you can, or just pad your lead so that you know you have a much bigger cushion when that clock hits zero and they add the points. Yeah, no, I really don't think it changes anything, even the second half up until the last two minutes. And I think that's you know where it has its impact, where you know create a different system at the end. But of it's the not game. the last two minutes. You mean like? Oh, you're saying like in real basketball. In real basketball, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what it would do. I mean, I don't really see any other implications, any other strategies that you would take from a beginning of the game standpoint um, to try to, you know, change and get a get a better win or something like that. Yeah, so I just have a real quick question about the logistics of this. So say that the game ends, time runs out, do they pause? Do they continue playing? Do they, like, do they bring the team together and say this is the new target goal? Like... Like, how would that affect the flow of the game? You I would, what I'm saying? I would think you would just keep it live. So, clock hits zero, 
whoever has the ball, like you're still running that possession. And then all of a sudden clocks at zero target score is now 68 points. And that's, that's just it. And if you hit a shot right after the clock hits zero, you're, you're closer to 68. But so, so, um, clock hits zero. Does the buzzer sound like, like what are the, like, do they stop play? I mean, those are, I, I don't think you would stop play is what Mm -hmm. I'm saying. I think that's just like, does the buzzer sound? It doesn't really matter. Like you'd be paying attention to the clock obviously, but I think you would just keep playing basketball as normal. And, and then I think what would be really interesting is the increase in defensive intensity in these last, you know, or once the clock hits zero and you need to get stops or you need to get, you know, buckets to win the game. I think you would see every single player on the team just immediately flip a switch and tighten up defensively. You think, why would they just be playing defensively, you know, hard defensively the, the before that, you know, you get to the but, last but no, I, I mean, that's, that's, that that that's kind of like, that's kind of like human nature. I mean, if you're playing pickup basketball, the whole game, you might be playing one way, but then as soon as it's 13, 13, you're playing to 15, you play different. You play differently. Like, but I think regardless, if it's close, you're going to play hard on defense at the end of the game. If it's not close, you're not going to play hard on defense. And adding that six points isn't. I don't know if it's going to affect the defensive play style. If you're down 15 points, even if you have to get the extra six points, it's, I don't think it's going to make a team play extremely you know, well, hard on defense. Well, I think I think it changes in the sense that to go, you need to go. If you were a team that's down a big deficit, you would need to go on a run. But you're, you're, the run you're going on wouldn't be up against the clock, so maybe teams would not press as much. They would say, okay, we're going to be a little bit more aggressive on defense in the half court and say as long as we get stops, we're going to be fine. You know, just play a little bit tighter man-to-man as opposed to, okay, if we don't get a turnover in five seconds, you know, three times in a row, we're doomed. So I think that changes it slightly. And I just also think it's like if, you, if you've ever seen, I think the Summer League does this where they do um, like a sudden death overtime. Yeah. Like it's just, it's madness. It's yeah. just madness. So like the intensity is just absolutely wild. I think you would get some elements of that that would ultimately make more basketball games more exciting at the end. I think that's the ultimate point is that I think the way that you're incentivizing teams to win or at least pushing them to win by you have to score to win. You can't just bleed it out. And then I also think it leads to just overall just more better basketball games. Yeah. I think that that's what it would do. And I don't see the flaws of losing overtime and losing buzzer beaters um, or any style of play things, any reason to say, yeah, you know what, this wouldn't work. Yeah. Now, my final takeaway is I think, you know, I think I always like adding something new to, you know, the sport. I think it would create something interesting. You know, I don't have really any opposition, obviously, you know, as we kind of worked it out. There hasn't, there isn't really too many flaws. So I think all in all, it just, you know, creates just a different dynamic to the game. So would you like to see it? I'd like to see it. I would, I would say at least in like a trial league, like a summer league or like preseason, like whatever, like I'd, I'd love to see it, especially if guys were trying hard and they wanted to win yeah that's the only thing is that i don't know if you're really going to be able to see it in full effect unless you actually had a real game so obviously in these summer league games are they really playing the hardest defense you know even in the last you know if you add that six points i think if you're only really going to see the full effects would be this be like a, a college basketball game you know between two good teams or an nba game that's only really going to see the full effects of that defensive intensity at the end of the game that excitement right, but would you like to see it is the- I, I would i would yeah. i i think it's just something new i think it's something a, interesting yeah it's a nice i think it's a nice wrinkle will would you would you support it? Give it a vote of support. If we were, if we founded the sports business society at UVA basketball league, a little pickup league, well, nah, but this would be, you know, like time Spe- to special rules. Spe- Four point line. Like we talked yeah. about earlier. We're going to make the core bigger. We're going to, we're going to add the scoring system. Would you, would you say, yeah, you know what? Let's do this for our league. Yeah. I try it out for a little bit. And if it doesn't work out, then you stop it. And if it, people like it, then why not keep going? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's overall, I think it's, 
I think it's Something a great system. To try. I think it's a great system. Um, I don't know. If, I don't see it ever being implemented, but I think overall it's a very interesting idea with few flaws that would that would ultimately make the game of basketball a little bit more exciting yeah i think take away take away the bad parts to be honest i think it's just like that four point thing it's just something that creates you know um, you know another excitement to the basketball game yeah for sure all right so that will um wrap it up for us this week um we will be back next week review the super bowl and and more as always thanks for listening